Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim, and the topic of our podcast today is White Rose, the execution of Sophie Scholl. Sophie Scholl was a young uh, university student uh, in Germany during the Second World War who uh, was an active member of the White Rose Society, which was a resistance group. And uh, we're going to talk about her story, kind of a sad story today, Colonel. Um, But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, let me introduce uh, my co-host, the uh, very charming and debonair, uh, the moral compass of our podcast, the man who's known as the most dangerous man in podcasting today. That is none other than the very honorable Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How do you? How are you today, Colonel? Doing wonderful today, Timmy. How about yourself? Oh, I am good. Are you excited about this topic? I'm excited about this topic, and I'm excited that we, uh, we're, we're kind of on a roll here with the, uh, with the history stuff. Now, I know now, you, uh, you, you were a little confused yesterday because I told you we were going to cover the White Rose well, Society. I do know everything about arranging roses and... Floral yeah. patterns. I know. I know you were roses. you were doing some research on Axel Rose and that uh, Axel Rose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And then of course I, when you said Rose, I naturally went to Pete Rose, right, the right. Hit King. Yes. So, but, uh, but you you got to straighten now. You know what we're talking. Well, about. because you threw me when it said the White Rose Society, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, hold on. Everybody likes Pete. Yeah. Everybody likes Pete. I'm Pete's universal. Sure. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, yeah you got to love Pete. Those from Cincinnati loved it anyway. Yeah. But you know what? Um, it's just me and you. Yes. You and I. That's, and uh, that's we true. we do not have that foul-mouthed devil. We do not um, have the pleasure of the, uh, the, uh, the wit and wisdom of one Brandy Herman, who is mm-hmm. unfortunately uh, still not able to be with us uh, yet. Um, and... Uh, we hope her, you know, we wish for her all the best, and she will be back. It's, uh, and um, she'll be, she'll be back with a vengeance. I'm, st- I'm oh, sure she'll be back with a vengeance, and and she is what we said about her on the last podcast. But yeah, but it gives us uh, a chance to uh, take a step back from serial killers 
and talk about other historical topics. Well, because, she likes all that gory stuff. Yeah. She, she, she can't, if people ain't dying, and and this gets a little gory at the end. So, but, yeah, this is gory, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it, Brandy kind of, you know, I think she has some sort of, gets some sort of sexual gratification out of well, the serial killers. Yeah, she yeah. does, because I noticed, I noticed even on warm days, Timmy, mm-hmm. she's a little perky up top, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. When, when we start talking about Ed Gein, or, yeah, you talk, and I thought it was air conditioning. I was like, no, that, that ain't there. It's hot in here. Yeah. What is it? But she's, you know, like, yeah. oh, and then he made lampshades out of this, this. And of course, we can say these things because she never listens to the podcast. We can say anything we want about yeah. the girl because she don't listen to anything. She I, don't listen to us when she. Yeah. I don't. She don't listen girl, when she when don't we're listen here. when she's here. Right. She right. just reads her parts and right. goes on about her and business. Makes her commentary. But it's put us in a bind because we've had, you know, the things that we've done mm-hmm. and, and the one that we did, you know, apparently oh, people long. hear that and they want to sponsor. We have people that want to sponsor oh. a real podcast, uh-huh. but then they went back and heard the ones with the devil and they yeah. were like, well, why yeah. are you guys? They can't be associated with her. Exactly. We yeah. can't associate yeah. our yeah. company's good yeah. name. Yeah. With Procter & Gamble was going to step up to the plate, but then they heard... Uh, cock holster coming out yeah. of her mouth and they said hey, you know we can't sell our soap on your podcast yeah and so um yeah, yeah ford dropped up ford was interested and then they dropped us yeah she's too controversial mouth. our brandy well she's foul mouth yeah. it's it's like it's like a sailor she's like a sailor on leave to me yeah a drunken sailor she's not very leave. ladylike at times she's unladylike she's quite unladylike and i know she has her followers mm-hmm. and um and and you know what i can't understand is um, Mr. Snellings, mm-hmm. who's an official, real life minister. reverend, minister, yes. minister Byron, 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 Mr. Mm-hmm. Snellings, he is on Team Brandy. Yeah. But you know what I think he's trying to do? I think he figures if he can wear her down enough, she'll get a little bit of religion. Well, well, that, maybe that's it. Maybe he's out to save her. Well, as you and I, we're above reproach. Well, yeah, he doesn't need to worry right. about us. Right. It's like right. our souls. Yeah. Uh, our yeah. souls pretty much been. We're golden. When it comes to we stuff are golden, yeah. Jimmy. We yeah. are golden. Um, let's. Uh, I'm going to move on to our uh, Patreon sponsors and give them a shout out. Um, our show is possible because of the generous donations from listeners like you on Patreon. If you would like to sponsor the show, uh, support the arts, as it were, you can do that by going to Patreon.com/slash History Dweebs. You may pledge a little or a lot or how much, Colonel? Or just a wee little tiny bit. And and we should make our listeners aware that elections have consequences, Timmy. Yeah, I, f- I, I hear that. I'm beginning to see that. These, uh, these Republicans in the House, mm-hmm. they're wanting to cut funds to the History Dweebs podcast. Yeah, so get out so there and call your congressman. Call your congressman, call your senator. Yes. Tell them that you believe in arts and history yes. dweebs should not uh, have their funding not cut. You, PBS, uh, NPR, you can you can yeah, you can ask them all you want. Those it's not rookies, us. we ain't worried about yeah, them. Yeah, but. and they don't have much of a following anyway. No, not really. Uh, okay, so we would like to give a special shout out to our Patreon sponsors, and those are Alicia and Chip. Jen Moyer, who's very generous. Thank you, Jen. New, uh, uh, new to our uh, Facebook page, but she says she's been listening for a while. We certainly appreciate you joining our page and, and joining uh, our Patreon group. Brandy McBride, Andrew Happ, Lise, uh, Amber McCain-Scoville, Jahara, Jennifer, 
uh, Siemens and her son Hunter and her mom Linda. Thank you very much. Angelo, Big Angelo, thank you, Angelo. Bridget Clavey, uh, Crazy Crazy Cindy Lou, uh, <laughs> Charlie from the Insight Podcast. If you haven't heard the Insight Podcast, you should check it out. It's much better than if ours. You're, if, you, if you're into real podcasts, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. listen it's, to uh, It's Mysteries, True Crimes. Yeah. Really cool uh, podcast, so check it out. And, of course, Rudy, the Wonder Dog, is also a Patreon member. Thank you, Rudy. He's back on his feet and healing up well, Timmy. Oh, that's good. You took him to the vet yesterday, right? Took him to the vet yesterday. They said, and, you know, it was actually, and and I'm not joking about this, when he was at the vet, they found a lump on his chest. Oh, no. And it was, oh, it was very scary because they said, let's deal with his back, then we'll deal with his lump. Let's see, best case scenario, this is a cyst, and he's only four. Right. So he said, best case scenario, this is a cyst, it goes away, but let's wait till it's back. So every day I'm feeling his chest. And mm-hmm. yesterday I said to her, Nancy, you know, I, I just want you to rub his chest, tell me what you think. Don't t- give me any opinions mm-hmm. on it, or don't, you know, I'm not saying anything, right. just tell me what you think. And the lump was damn near gone. Right. So... Oh, that's yeah, a good so thing. That's a good sign. That's a good sign that it was a cyst. And you know, I had a weird experience once. I had lost some weight. And currently, exercising, as you know, and I'm mm-hmm. but uh, the last time I went through that and I lost some weight, it's I, I was feeling on my chest and I felt a lump, and I was mm-hmm. like, "What the hell is that?" So of course, you know, I'm freaking out. And then I, I look it up and. Turns out it's supposed to be there, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, because I had. I had weighed more. I had never noticed it before. So, yeah. So and I, hopefully I it's nothing with something Rudy very too. similar happened. This, this, you know, it's funny to mind. A friend of mine at about 19 had testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was working, I was in school. I was working at the Roses at a pizza parlor. Right. Making pizza. And I noticed as I leaned against the counter where my hips were, mm-hmm. it hurt on one side. Uh-huh. And so when my, I got home, my mom started feeling around, and I had a lymph node mm-hmm. um, and swollen up in my groin. Mm-hmm. And my doctor, I called the doctor, and he said, okay. He said, uh, he, and he asked me just flat out, he said, do you have any swelling in your testicles? Mm-hmm. And he, I said, no. And he said, do you ever examine your testicles? And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, daily define yeah. examine doctor because uh yeah I soap, familiar i soap them up a little too long sometimes <laughs> but but anyway he said well you know have you noticed any lumps or anything and i've started feeling around I da- i'll be damned if i did not feel a lump and i said oh my, you know so i knew now you know your mind does this to you yeah. because my uh, and, friend had just had testicular right. cancer and you've so watched course, brian's song recently yeah and i've got <laughs> testicular <laughs> cancer right and I was I was very thrown for about, well, I guess he saw me the next day, but I was very thrown until the next sure. day. Scared. And it turns out that I do have a small lump on one, which about one in three men have. It's mm-hmm. called an appendix. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it turns out. So but did you have an appendectomy? I, no, I, <laughs> I actually, yeah, about 30 years later, I did have the yeah, whatever. But um, it but it turned out I had a spider bite on the back of my leg, and it was causing uh, it. But it's, yeah, you know, you know, I know you deal with anxiety, and like I do. And at one point or another, if you deal, if you have anxiety disorder, you've had every major illness known to man, at least in your mind. Well, and, and 
I I have yeah, as you said, we both we all suffer from something, and mine tends to be depression. Mm-hmm. But I will get a, a, I have a hint of OCD, mm-hmm. which will cause um, and I and I said this to Shonda the mm-hmm. other day that um, it's called ca- catastrophic thinking, and basically yes. your mind goes to the worst possible place and. I went through, and that's was, reinforced, of course, by Mr. Google. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it's the worst thing you can do. My doctors always tell me stay off the internet. Do oh, my, you know, my doctor told me one time. I, I came in and I had, and trying not to make, make this short story, but he mm-hmm. said uh, I had had a bunch of dental work done, mm-hmm. and I was, I was, I guess I woke up one night with kind of night sweats. Okay. And now a friend of mine, again, a friend of mine had just been admitted to the hospital in an emergency situation with endocarditis, mm-hmm. which is an inflammation. You get it from. Oh, yeah. So when your friend gets something, you've automatically yeah. start uh, so, thinking that you have it. I asked how, you know, how this happened. He said, well, I had dental work done. The bacteria oh. <laughs> went to the valves in my heart. Yeah. So I called my doctor up and I said, I think I might have endocarditis. <laughs> And he said, that's interesting. Why don't you come on in? And I came in and he, uh, he said, now what, what, what's your, can you walk up the steps? And I said, yeah. He said, so you're not so weak that you can't walk up the steps. I said, no. He said, are you running about 103, 104 fever and having trouble breathing? I said, no. He said, then you don't have endocarditis. He said, but I could see where you'd be concerned about this. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what he said to me. He said, I can see where you'd be concerned about this. So you know the best way to not get endocarditis? (laughs) And I said, no, what is that? And he said, stay off the fucking internet and let me me diagnose you. (laughs) Yeah, my doctor's pretty much the same way. I had a similar story where I thought I had... uh, I had heart disease mm-hmm. because I was waking up, couldn't breathe in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Well, I go to my doctor and I tell him my symptoms and he says, yeah, you got sinus infection and your sinus are, dra- are draining at night. And mm-hmm. that's why you can't, you're, you know, you're, you're having problem breathing and you're waking <clears throat> up. So I was like, how can you just say that? You haven't examined me. <laughs> so he gives me the EKG and all that. So, yeah. You know, I, uh, we'll get on this, but you know what happened to me last night? And I'm going to buy a pair of Bluetooth Mm-hmm. headphones mm-hmm. is i fall asleep listening to and, and i don't listen to podcasts but i listen to old time radio shows horror shows mm-hmm. um scary you know mm-hmm. stories on on i guess they are podcasts but, mm-hmm. and i fall asleep wearing listening uh-huh. to them. last night i woke up and i had the damn cord to my <laughs> headphones were wrapped around my neck and i don't know if that's something it's like the third time that's happened this month and i don't know if renee is doing it when i'm sleeping <laughs> It was an accident. He was, he, was, he was listening to Insight and uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> he just expired. <laughs> but I'm going out. I'm going out tonight and buying, picking up a pair because all my kids have the wireless, yeah, the wireless kind. Uh, Beats. They yeah, all got the. Yeah. You know, I'm. I'm Man, got, if next time I go to Thailand, let me know. You can get them. You can get them rip off Beats over there really cheap. Can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm picking up a set of headphones. All right. Let's talk about the right. The White Rose Society and the execution of Sophie Schultz. Shall we? 
Well, we're 15 minutes into this. All right. We might as well. All right. So our story takes place in Nazi Germany in 1942. So this is uh, three years into World War II, uh, at least for the folks in Europe. uh, Yeah. One year into it for us here in the United States. But anyway, uh, during, of course, World War II, the vast majority of people in Germany and those in the conquered countries of Europe, uh, th- at this point, Germany had conquered most of Western Europe, um, they were playing it safe. They were bystanders, trying to get along with their lives the best they could. They uh, would not speak out against Nazi uh, oppression or risk, uh, or risk you know, being arrested or even executed. Um, and so most people uh, went along to get along, basically. Went along to get along, Timmy. And, um, of course, uh, the Nazis were notorious for uh, developing their police state, and, uh, of course, we, we're not going to go into all the atrocities with the, with the Jews and the disabled and the uh, gay folks. Pretty much everybody. Pretty Gypsies, much, yes. the, po- the artists, the teachers, everybody. Uh, and that included anyone who spoke out against uh, the Nazi regime. Uh, and you know that research in this uh, research in this story I found interesting. I I knew this before, but what I found uh, interesting in researching this story is that you know of course the Gestapo was the most feared secret police. Yes. Uh, in Germany, and, uh, you know, everyone was afraid to talk uh, or say anything uh, against the Hitler regime because they feared retaliation by the Gestapo. Hitler was not big on freedom of speech, Tim. No, he was Or freedom of the press. Or freedom of anything. Or freedom of religion. Yeah, he he was... uh, He'd pick out your damn lunch for you if if you were in his... Yeah. He was not the most progressive uh, leader in the world. But anyway... Um, the Gestapo, which we always, you know, read about and see in the movies and stuff, with the, you would think they were on every corner. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were not. In a lot of places, in a lot of, you know, small villages and towns, they may only had one or two clerks, yeah. Yeah. you know, basically cl- clerks mm-hmm. that worked for the Gestapo. Um, they were not as widespread as, you know, people believed. Where the uh, where how they uh, were able to uh, get information on people who were speaking out against the regime is by regular people turning yeah. in them in, yeah, spying um, on each other. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Russia did. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's pretty it's Russia pretty did. common in any totalitarian yeah. society. When one story I read while I was researching this is that. Um, of course, uh, during World War II, there was, of course, most German families had radios, mm-hmm. uh, but they were forbidden from listening to uh, radio uh, stations from outside of Germany, especially the BBC. So um, they even had these little, um, almost like these door hangers that goes on, uh, you know, on hotel rooms, like to yeah, do uh, not disturb. Do not disturb. That I'm, I'm with could, the hooker. <laughs> exactly. That you could hang on the radio, warning that it was, you know, a federal offense to listen to uh, foreign broadcasts. Well, you know, one of the things that Hitler did after he took power was uh, not only 
did he uh, uh, rein in civil rights, but he started the Nazification of all levels of government. Right. And if you spoke out, or if the uh, if the German uh, government had any indication you were opposed to them, you would be replaced, whether you were a fireman or a policeman or a teacher. And one of the things they would do is that the BBC would broadcast children's programming. Mm-hmm. So teachers who were members of the Nazi Party were act, would you know when their their class would start would ask these five and six years old six year olds in their class. Hey, what did you guys listen to on the radio last night? Well, if they said we listened to whatever the show was, yeah, sure, the popular BBC. BBC, they would report that to the Gestapo. So uh, it was very dangerous at that time to uh, to speak out in uh, against uh, the Nazi government. Uh, you know, and when you when you look at all these things, Timmy, and you look at these, as you said, to, totalitarian regimes. There's always this tipping point, Timmy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's a tipping point where you, where people waited too long to resist. Yes. If they had resisted, now I don't know with Hitler because they. Well, know, when Hitler came of, in power, I mean, he he was appointed. First of all, he wasn't elected. Yeah. Uh, but when he came in power, they they had they were a minority. The Nazi Party was a minority, minority in Ristock. Yeah. They were just given power. I yeah. Mean, the, he he became uh, chancellor, and once he became chancellor and president. Right. Well, once he became chancellor, uh, of course, you know they had the Ristock fire that they blamed right. on the communists, which mm. which was a prelude for them to crack down on communists. communists. Uh, then, then they had the uh, uh, Night of the Long Knives, where they broke, uh, where he uh, cracked down on, you know, even some people who were allies with him. Yeah. yeah, and then of course uh, the uh, Night of the Broken Glass, in which yeah. uh, they put the restrictions on all the uh, the Jewish uh, citizens. So. You're right. It, it's incremental and uh, creeping, I guess. And I think, you know, we, we and again, we always give this disclaimer, stay away from politics. But so many people have talked, have compared Trump to Hitler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I like to believe that the system of checks and balances that we have put in, in place in our government could never allow something like that. Yeah, and and certainly he says some outrageous things. We don't know yet, basically, yeah. what's going to happen. But but certainly he said some things that has raised concerns with. Has raised concerns yeah. about it to about him wanting to be a, a true authoritarian. Yes. Um, yes, but I think that's that's the worst we could ever have here. And I think you know Nixon was probably in my lifetime as close as I can remember to that. Yeah. So and even he he was limited in his power. He, well, sure, you know, because he had there was check and, checks and yeah. balances. So let's hope we never go there. But anyway, let's get back to our story. So anyway, um, even though um, the Nazis were pretty uh, uh, ruthless in persecuting any dissent, any people who would dissent, there were dissent. There were resistance groups throughout Europe. Um, you know, we always make fun of the French surrendering in five weeks or whatever it was. Mm. But really, the, without the French resistance, D-Day would have never been possible. Right. So there were groups that organized. And now, you know, as you look back, more people will say 
in history, they were opposed to Hitler and what they did to stand up to Hitler sure. than actually did at the time, of course. But there were groups, and include one of these one of these groups were a, a group, a small group of college students in Munich, Germany, and they became known as the White Rose Society, and they chose the uh, symbol of the right, white rose, uh, because it uh, represented purity, uh, and they were opposed to the war. Now, this is 1942 when these students started organizing. So at this point, Germany were Germany was um, was starting the the war was starting to go bad. It was going bad, it was in, in, a in, in, for the, many of their. Uh, not only in, uh, not only were they experiencing bombings from the Allies, they were, you know, they were in a quagmire in the east. Uh, this was around the time of Stalingrad, mm-hmm. uh, so the war was not going well. So these students got together, and they, these are mostly uh, liberal arts students. They were some were medical students at the University of Munich. And they had, you know, they started talking about what, it, you know, a better world. You know, they saw uh, some of the students had went to the, uh, had served as medics on in, on the Eastern Front. They had saw the atrocities mm-hmm. that the, uh, the German soldiers had committed. And they knew kind of what was going to, you know, the thing is they knew what was in store for them once the, the, once the Russians made it to Germany, because oh, the, and that was yeah, the, the Russians, uh, the, the you know, we always think of the war from our perspective in the West, but uh, it was really a uh, uh, the most uh, uh, most of the atrocities occurred in on the Eastern Front, where the the retreating Germans would just kill whole villages and rape women, and and so and they were they were angry. Yeah. I mean, they were angry, yeah. and it didn't matter. And we'll get off track here, but it, when Germany was getting divided up, people wanted to be, they did not want to be in the Russian section in Berlin. No, they rushed to get um, to the West. The West side. They wanted to Russia, be. The Russians just, yeah, they just, they were like the old barbarians. Yeah. They came raping, pillaging, and looting, and they felt like that it was. I think I, re- I think I read. I think I read. Oh, terrible! Yeah. And, uh, that uh, Stalingrad. Leningrad, yeah. Stalingrad. They uh, had. Um, I had read that uh, in in one just one battle. I think around Stalingrad, they had lost uh, eighty. I mean, eighty nine thousand Nazi troops were captured. German troops were captured, mm-hmm. of which. Not uh, eight thousand survived. survived. Yeah. yeah, and then they didn't come back. They didn't wasn't even returned home for like ten years late after the war. So, well, you know, and, and I so most of the most of the prisoners were uh, were in fact executed or died in prison. And uh, you know, as we said, uh, you know, there was an estimated fifty thousand rapes that occurred yeah. after the war. So this is nasty stuff. But let's step back a little bit because we're in nineteen forty-two. So the war is just starting to go bad for the Germans. Sophie Scholl uh, was a German university student who was active in the White Rose Society along with her brother Hans. Uh, it was a non-violent resistance group to Hitler and the Nazi Party. And when I say nonviolent, it was totally nonviolent. All they did basically was distribute leaflets around Munich, and they mailed leaflets around the country, uh, urging Germans to oppose 
uh, to oppose Hitler's regime. Um, they would uh, deliver them by hand, and they would also mail them, and they would also, uh, you know, spray paint graffiti around campus, like down with Hitler or whatever. Mm. Um, Sophie was born on May 9th, 1921, and then why is that of an important day, Colonel? May 9th, 1921? Yeah. May 9th is my birthday. Oh, that's right. Yes. That's right. She was born on your birthday. Born on my birthday, 40 years before I was born, but on my birthday. And also, it was also uh, Stephanie Quick's birthday. So, uh, and one day before Brandy's birthday. Now, we've got like three stories coming up where people were born on my birthday. Yeah. It's so weird. But Sophie was born on May 9, 1921 in Frockenburg. I'm, I'm going to butcher some of these Germans' names. Uh, Germany. She was the fourth of five children born to Robert and Magda- Magnalia Skoll. Uh, Robert Skoll was the mayor, mayor of Frotchenburg. Uh, Sophie had a happy childhood. She was close to her brother Hans, who was three years older than her. She was uh, 11 years old, and when she was 11 years old and Hans was 14, uh, Adolf Hitler came to power in 1932. Uh, Sophie was a child when the Nazis beginning, began controlling all aspects of German society. Initially, Sophie was unaffected, but her father was critical of the Nazi uh, regime. In fact, he was, uh, went to prison for a time um, for uh, denouncing uh, Hitler. He was, a, uh, he was actually the mayor of Frottenburg at the time. Um, in uh, school, both Hans and Sophie, though, were apolitical. They were taught the Nazi doctrine uh, and the superior, about the superiority of the German race. Uh, even though their father was opposed to Hitler, like I said, they were pretty apolitical. They were not necessarily anti-Nazi um, throughout their early childhood. Against their parents' wishes, Hans joined the Hitler Youth in 1932, although he quickly became delus- uh, disillusioned with it. Uh, at the age of 12, Sophie joined the female equivalent of the Hitler Youth, the League of German Girls. And initially, Sophie enjoyed all the activities of the group, and she was promoted to squad leader. However, after her initial uh, enthusiasm over the activities of the group, she became uneasy uh, and started had a conflict with the, her conscience of the uh, dealing with the Nazi ideology that was promoted in the organization. Uh, in 1935, the Nuremberg Laws were passed, which increased the discrimination against Jews, banning them from many public places. Um, Sophie uh, knew was good friends with a Jewish teacher who was uh, fired and eventually uh, taken off to a concentration camp. She also, um, Sophie would later study to be a kindergarten teacher and a nurse, and she would see um, German police take away uh, people who were mentally disabled and and to take them away to concentration camps. Sometimes it would be... Not mentally disabled, but there are people, I think, around here that need to be taken away. You mean on this podcast who's not currently here? Yeah. Sophie... um, Mentally deranged. Sophie complained when two of her young Jewish... Two of her young... Two young Jewish friends were barred from joining the League of German Girls. 
um, which is kind of weird why they would want to join yeah, the Hitler Youth. But anyway, uh, she was reprimanded for uh, that. Um, overall, though, Sophie had a happy childhood, and she was loved by her parents and siblings. She was an excellent student and always received good marks. She was an avid reader and developed a strong interest, interest in philosophy and theology and arts. Um, she developed a, a strong Christian faith. Her parents were Protestant. Uh, that emphasized the dignity of every human being. The religious faith proved an important cornerstone for her opposition to the Nazi ideology of the German society. She also developed a talent for art, drawing, and painting. Uh, she became quite acquainted with their artistic circles in uh, Munich, um, uh, in circles that the Nazis were labeled degenerates. Um, I know you know a lot about being a degenerate. I know a little bit, yeah. Yeah, as Skoll indicated uh, her rebellious, uh, you know, she, she was rebellious uh, as a teenager. So um, she started thinking more critical about the uh, Nazi regime, and she started choosing her friends more carefully. She was choosing, uh, cho started choosing friends as she grew into adulthood who were more politically uh, sympathetic to her viewpoint. In 1937, her and ha her brother Hans and some of their friends were arrested for participating in a German youth movement. This was a... Eh, kind of a uh, anti-Nazi uh, movement, uh, small movement. Uh, this incident left a strong impression on Sophie, uh, and it would again re-energize uh, her in her opposition to the Nazi regime. In 1940, at the start of the Second World War, uh, Sophie graduated, War, Second World War started September 1939, 1940, uh, she graduated from her secondary school, and she became a kindergarten teacher. As I said, she uh, also worked at a nursery and at a uh, mental institution. That's where she saw the patients being later taken away. Um, she disliked. Uh, she was conscripted to, to do war service uh, in a nursery as a nursery teacher. Um, she liked to, working with kids, but disliked the military regime uh, of war, war service um, and started to become passive resistance in the war effort. Um, uh, her father in 1942 was sent to prison when he made a remark that Hitler was God's scourge. Uh, after six months in the National Labor Service, uh, 1942, uh, Sophie enrolled at the University of Munich. As a biology and philosophy student, she hoped to attend medical school like her brother Hans, um, who was also attending uh, the University of Munich. God scourge. Maybe instead of calling uh, the blue-haired devil here uh, Satan's dirty little secret, we'll just call her God scourge. That yeah, may be more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Softer, don't you think? I think it is. It, yeah. But it... But it it gets descriptive. It gets yeah. the point across. <laughs> it does. Okay, so with her brother Hans, she became associated with a group of friends who shared similar artistic and cultural interests. 
And he also developed a similar shared political views, which increasingly opposed the Nazi regime in which they lived under. Um, she came in contact with uh, philosophers such as Theodore Heckler, who posed questions on how individuals should behave under a dictatorship. Uh, kind of how we have to behave when Brandy's around. Pretty much. Yeah. She, she puts the dick in dictators. <laughs> she sure does. Um, so political attitudes soon became the essential criterion in Hans and Sophie's choice of friends. So they sought friends. Sophie's who, choice. Yes, they sought they sought friends who were uh, had the same political leanings. Both Hans and Sophie became friends with a young man named Alexander Schmorell. Schmorell's family had uh, had uh, long opposed the Nazis uh, Nazi regime. Um, now, I'm breaking from the common theory that citizens, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Okay, so you do, you, you know, it's, it's, it, this was a difficult time, and it was, some, in some instances, it was hard to get people to support the resistance, not only because uh, they feared the Gestapo, but also because you know, the country was at war, and many of them had young sons mm-hmm. or brothers or fathers who were, you know. Yeah, they felt like they were betraying their sons if yeah, they were exactly, exactly. So, uh, but this group uh, tried their best to organize a resistance that brought into question the Nazi regime. Um, they, again, they were nonviolent. They, it was. Uh, mostly a group of philosophy students and medical students. Um, but they had to be careful because uh, the Gestapo did have presence everywhere. And even like we said, even though uh, they, they, they were small in number in a lot of cases in small towns, they were larger in number in bigger cities. And they it wasn't only the Gestapo you had to worry about, you had to worry about your fellow citizens mm-hmm. uh, turning you in. And if they denounced you to the Gestapo, uh, so the secret police would investigate, and if you were found to be guilty, you face prison or worse. Um, so it was, you know, it, you had to be very careful. So they had to be very careful on how they went about this. Well, and the other thing to remember with people not wanting to join the resistance, Timmy, is that Germany had been through some hard, hard times after World War One. Sure, they've been through a great and, deal, which of, allowed Hitler to, you yeah, know, basically were, say, "Hey, let me take care of this. I can fix this." Yeah, this Treaty of Versailles was very punitive. They, they you know, after World War One, uh, after nineteen eighteen, there, you know, the the German mark was. Yeah, basically worthless. I mean, people used it. I mean, you could have a whole barrel for of well, it, yeah. and and not have enough to people eat. People were getting paid tw- twice a day. Yeah, you know, and uh, inflation was like uh, crazy high. Unemployment was crazy high. So Hitler did some things that he, you know, he did. Uh, you know, he brought in a war economy, and everyone was working. So that was one thing that, you know, that uh, did work. But they had gone from these horrible times, you know, economic times, Mm -hmm. into, you know, pretty much well-being and full employment. So they developed a very, very strong sense of nationalism, even though 
you know, most <laughs> they ra- were- I can't believe most rational people did not think, you know, this guy's got a screw loose here. Yeah. You know, he's a little dangerous. But- it's like, it's, it takes this, yeah, the Jewish question is a little bit too far. Yeah, but I ain't eating, you know, I'm not eating uh, yeah. radishes and yeah, boiling them every we're night not, for dinner. We're not, yeah, yeah. we're not uh, killing animals so in Berlin Zoo. So it's a trade-off, yeah. right. Yeah, I'm not eating my dog. Right. So exactly. uh, go ahead and you know put up with this. Uh, and and then this you know and of course the a lot of citizens felt humiliated after the First World War, and he you know he brought back the, the sense of German pride, but as you said, um, not to anyway excuse Hitler, but I mean I'm just hey. saying that there were people who supported him, and not everyone who later would say, oh you know I was just following orders. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who actually supported him, and that's how. Well, that's and how he, you know that that's the the thing that people don't want to say about Germany often. And I'm uh, being a Lutheran, mm-hmm. um, and studying up on this. You know, Martin Luther came from Germany. Martin Luther was horribly anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. and many people will say that the Holocaust began with Martin Luther, mm-hmm. and he had turned really from that moment on. Germany was very anti-Jewish. It, it you know, been. you and, know, um, you know. One of the things that I heard this in a podcast, and I wish I knew which one. Cause I've listened to so many, but I heard a professor say that on, one, on a history podcast that you know what led to the Reformation. No, the the uh, Black Plague, because the Black Plague. There was, because it killed, you know, like a third mm-hmm. of Europe. Yeah. And left a huge, a huge shortage vacuum. of uh, labor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that included priests. So they started, the church started accepting priests who were, who maybe not as educated or mm-hmm. not as uh, morally, uh, uh, you know, sound. Mm-hmm. And that over time because they had these inferior priests that led to the reformation, the reformation. yeah so it's kind of interesting just as a side note anyway. but but that's what you know when people talk you gotta you could we could do five podcasts on this but the german people as a whole had a bias against jews anyway Mm-hmm. And that had started long before Hitler came along. Yeah, and he he was able to uh, exploit that. Exploit mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. So in 1938, their new friend Alex uh, Schmorell served an obligatory two years army service uh, while he completed training to be a medic. He served on the Eastern Front, so he saw what was going on. And he saw what was going on with the Jews that were being, you know, mm-hmm. were th- that the story was that they were being relocated. Well, right. he knew that they were actually being sent off to concentration camps and exterminated. He was out where Colonel Klink never wanted to go. Yes, he, he was on the Eastern the Front. The SS always threatened to send you to the Eastern yeah, Front. Yeah, that's where you never wanted to yeah. go. Right. So uh, anyway, Schmorell was attending medical school there in Munich, and he became friends with Sophie and her brother Hans. Um, so, um, by 1942, most of the members that would make up the White Rose Society were all attending the University of Munich. Uh, and again, they chose the name White Rose to represent purity and innocence in face of evil, that being the Nazi regime. So, 
me and you could join, but the devil could never no, join. No, she her. couldn't because, because she's not pure. We had a purity thing and get her. Um, so within the first couple of months at the University of Munich, uh, this group uh, started holding weekly or nightly talks uh, and would even invite some professors and writers and mus- uh, magician, mus- musicians to the group. Um, and they fostered a deep friendship and love for each other. Uh, initially, they avoided the talk of politics, but you know, s- uh, somewhere along the line, they started talking about politics and decided that they had to do something in face of the evil Nazi regime. So they started writing these leaf- uh, leaflets to distribute. They called them the Leaves of the White Rose. Now, initially, it was Hans and Alex Morell who wrote the first four there were six uh, opposition leaflets total, um, but only six. Um, but uh, the first four, Hans and Alex wrote, and these uh, leaflets attacked the Nazi regime. Uh, it mentioned their crimes. It talked about the max, the mass extermination of the Jews, uh, the dictatorship, the eliminations of persons. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. freedoms for ordinary German citizens. It called on the regime or regime change, and it called for Germans to rise up and resist the oppression of their government. The leaflets uh, contain quotes from great philosophers and writers, uh, but it was geared mostly toward the intellectual public, especially students and professors. They really wanted to see students rise up uh, and fight back against the regime. Every time I hear Hans, I keep waiting for Franz to pop in. <laughs> I know. And, I... you know, very quickly, when Renee was pregnant with the twins, uh-huh. she they called them Baby A and Baby B. Uh-huh. And we did not call them, that's what they do uh-huh. at the hospital, uh-huh. Baby A, Baby B. Right. We went with Hans and Franz. We could call them Hans and Franz. <laughs> do you still call them that now? Well, you know which is which? I know which is which. Okay. But for the first month that they was born to me, mm-hmm. Even though we named them Taylor and Tanner, uh-huh. we was calling them Hans and Franz. <laughs> so which ones? Which who is Tanner? Tanner was Hans. Uh-huh. Taylor was Franz. <laughs> okay. 
So at the bottom of these leaflets, uh, they had the phrase, please uh, make as many copies of this leaflets as you can and distribute them. So they were trying to get the word out. And most of this was done through mail, but they also would, you know, put them in like telephone boxes, uh, uh, train stations, uh, around campus, anywhere that, you know, that they could, uh, you know, spread the word. Since traveling on trains with, you know, these documents was extremely dangerous and risky because yeah. they were caught uh, with curtains, um, females began to take on the ro- responsibility of distributing leaflets because it thought that they were less likely to be searched by the Gestapo. Mm-hmm. The first hundred leaflets that the... Uh, uh, the first hundred leaflets that the students mailed, 35 of them were given to the Gestapo. Oh. So, yeah, people were turning them in yeah. right Oops. away. Yeah, the Gestapo was uh, informed right away. Now, some of the uh, leaflets, it's, you know, it's kind of like our podcast. It's amazing the, the different parts of the world that we reach. Some of these leaflets made their way to Austria, to France, yeah. to occupied France, to the Netherlands. So even though they, you know, they're just a little these groups of, you know, a few students handing out these printing these leaflets, and you know there was a paper shortage at the time. There yep. was, uh, they you know, went viral, Timmy. They did. They these went things viral. went viral, and uh, but it wasn't for long. It wasn't long before the Gestapo were, was aware of it. Now all four uh, leaflets, the first four, were written in a relatively short period of time between June twenty seventh and July twelfth. So only like almost two weeks in 1942. Uh, as far as we know today, Hans wrote the first and the fourth leaflets, and Axel, uh, Alex Schmorell wrote the thir- second and third one. And if uh, you're so inclined, you can get on Wikipedia and um, uh, look up these things. Oh, you, yeah, there's the all kind of websites say. where you yeah. can actually read the leaflets, and um, we'll talk about some resources later. The, the internet is full of resources on, on on Sophie and on the White Rose Society. There's, in fact, there's White Rose Societies or chapters all around the world today. Um, so the leaves or these leaflets of the White Rose caused a, a remarkable action among uh, reaction among the student body um, as they start to question and challenge the regime's authority and stimulate discussions among the uh, students. So, um, although Hans originally, uh, so Sophie was involved in this. Now, although Hans originally opposed her participation, he couldn't keep her out. Um, She just was, you know, insistent on joining. But, you know, he was trying to protect her, basically. Mm -hmm. And she soon became one of the more vocal leaders of the group. In addition to the leaflets, the six leaflets, they also wrote graffiti, um, you know, which, you know, can you imagine being caught by the Gestapo writing, you know, his, his, you know, kill Hitler or whatever down with Hitler? Um, and that's back before they had spray paint to me. Yeah. You had now, to use a brush in. Now, mutual, one of the friends in their circle was Christopher Prost. He was, he joined the White Rose Society around the same time, uh, he was a young man who, he didn't write any of the leaflets, but he helped distribute them, and he was sympathetic to the cause. Now, he had three children. He was newlywed, and he had three young kids. Um, so, okay, so in the later months of the summer, in 1942, the university did not know what to do with medical students 
that they had drafted and sent to the Russian to the Russian front for three months. Um, so they kept, you know, these students kept leaving, going for these three months of service and coming back, and they were all starting to see the atrocities that were occurring. Uh, so uh, during this time, another student, William Graff befriended Hans and Alex and became active in the White Rose Society. So the White Rose Society is starting to grow. And, of course, as it's starting to grow, uh, the greater the risk is someone is going to, you know, find out about it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the main objective of the group was to increase awareness and really to spark uh, resistance. The leaflets were mailed to people in Germany by picking their names and addresses out of telephone directories. I mentioned a while ago German radio. Um, you know, if, if you ever get a chance, uh, while I was researching this story, you know, TVs were available in Germany in the 30s. I don't know when they became available here. It had to be at least the late 40s or early 50s, right? Mm-hmm. But they were available in Germany in the late 30s. And if you want to see something creepy, go to YouTube and look up Nazi TV. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they, they, they've got old video of of the TV stations when they come on the air or went mm-hmm. off the air, and it's really creepy to watch. I bet they didn't look as good as Huey Long did on TV. No, no, but it's creepy if you get a chance. Just Google, or go on YouTube and check it out. But anyway, back to the story. Um, they left leaflets all over the place in the hopes that they could restore democracy and rid Germany of um, Hitler's... Tyrannical rule. Well, and Sophie took a big part, obviously, in distributing these leaflets, Timmy, and carrying message because she was a woman, and as you said, she was not, she was very less likely to be stopped by the SS. Right. Now, at this point, bombings over Germany began to take place, and citizens were firsthand feeling the effect of the war. Yeah. Now it's home. It's coming home. Yeah. So they were they were a little bit more willing to voice their opinions against the regime. Mm-hmm. Now, around this time, Kurt Huber, a professor of philosophy, psychology, and musicology, um, sounds like sounds a little bit like the colonel there. A well-rounded individual like yes. you. Yes. At the University of Munich, joined the campaign. Although these pamphlets were the main, mef- main method of opposition by the White Rose, on February 4th, 8th, and 15th, they painted huge slogans on walls throughout Munich, including the university. Now, they weren't, they didn't get real creative with this because they didn't have spray paint and they didn't have taggers and they didn't have, but but they were. And there was a war on. Yeah, and there was a war on, but they would paint freedom Mm -hmm. down with Hitler, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, that would, that would cause Hitler to stay up night tweeting people. (laughs) And uh, That's not the most creative (laughs) slogan in a world, but it works. Hitler the mass murderer. It gets to the point. Yeah, it got the points across. Now, a great turning point in the war here, and for them, was the fall of Stalingrad in February 1943, Timmy. Mm -hmm. Um, It inspired Huber to write a fifth leaflet at the request of Hans, and the group, he wrote it, the group accepted the draft, made just a few changes, and sent it out on February 16th and 18th. Okay. This leaflet took a different turn, and was now entitled Leaflets, leaflets of the Resistance Movement of Germany, Timmy, mm. as was the sixth and final leaflet. 
Now, furious Nazi officials tried to clear away the unexpected call for freedom and justice. The rebellion began to spread first by jumping to Berlin, Timmy. So, you know, these, these, these Nazis are just pissed as hell. When yeah, the war's going bad. war's going bad. This movement's gaining momentum. Mm -hmm. So they got to do something. Now, a medical student who was friends with Hans took the responsibility of forming a similar resistance group there over in Munich mm -hmm. and brought copies of the leaflets that the group wrote. Yeah, and then we can't, <clears throat> you know, I can't, we can't emphasize this enough. These leaflets, it sounds, you know, uh, pretty, you know, mild. It, it sounds, yeah. And, and uh, you know, not that serious. But if you were caught with you were these caught things, with one, yeah. it, it was trouble. If you were caught with one, you you better run up to the SS guy and say, oh, look what I found on the ground here. Cause <laughs> Which is kind of what they ass. try to do yeah. later on. So now, inspired by the courage of the White Rose, Timmy, students also decided to become active in Freeburg. Mm-hmm. Later, a female student carried a leaflet to Hamburg where yet another group of students took up the responsibility of spreading the resistance even further. Germany was at this point a strong police state which kept a high degree of surveillance on any resistance activity. After leaflets were found in the University of Munich, the local Gestapo stepped up its efforts to catch the resistance, Timmy. Yeah, so they're on it now. Oh yeah, they're, they got... They got Although they remind me of Wiley e. Coyote, but yeah. Um, now Hans and Alex also became began painting anti-Nazi slogans on buildings in Munich. Then they did the sixth leaflet, Timmy, in February 1943. That would be the final one. Yeah, the final one. So on February, they went to the university with Sophie and Hans went to the university with a large suitcase filled with leaflets to distribute. They placed stacks in the hallways minutes before the lectures were dismissed, but there were still extra leaflets when finished. Yeah, this is like the, they're they're in the the uh, dorm or not the dorm. They're in the, they're in the building. The building. The, the building. Yeah. All, all classes are in session. It's kind of like high school here, or when I was in kid, you had a bell, right? Yeah. The, the bell they rang. They released the students. Yeah. So they were in they were in there while the classes were in session to to distribute these leaflets around on the different floors so that the students would find them after class. Right. Now, they placed stacks, but there was still extra, there was still, after they left all these stacks in the hallway, they had some finished. Okay. So Hans and Sophie decided to go up to the roof and dump the rest of the suitcase onto the courtyard, which is effective, but not the best idea. They damn near went unnoticed, but they were observed by a senior janitor who was also a Nazi party member. Fucking Nazi janitor. Uh, and, you know, pretty much, it hasn't every janitor every you jan run into your life They're been Nazis. a Nazi. Yeah, I pretty mean, much. Yeah. I ain't never met a cool janitor. No, They're always no. Nazi yeah. bastards. Yeah. So anyway, um, he turned them over to the Gestapo. Now, when a draft of a leaflet that Christopher Probst had written was found in Han's pocket... Probst was arrested as well. Yeah, and this is the guy with three kids. Yeah. Sophie, Hans, and Christopher were all interrogated by the Gestapo. Sophie had a chance. Now, Sophie, she had a chance for freedom here, Timmy. She was yeah. an honorable girl. You got you to gotta give her this. She, she had a great deal of honor, a great deal of courage. Yeah, she was very resistant for a long time. She had, They had her stories all straight. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But then they get they they searched their apartment and they found some additional stuff on them and, and it was it was hard to deny. But she would not she would not uh, rat out her she friends. Wouldn't, she wouldn't break. No, mm-hmm. she wasn't going to be a rat. So they interrogated her, and, and they, she was like uh, twenty one at the time. Yeah, she was only that's how old she was twenty one. They gave and they gave her the opportunity to blame all of the actions on her brother, so that only he and Christopher would be executed. But you know what she said, Timmy? What did she say? She said, fuck you, Nazis. Well, I don't think she said that. No, she said. I don't know how to do it in German, uh-huh. but she was like, fucking de Nazian. <laughs> I and, don't think uh, she said that, but she she was she, resistant. She took all the blame. She did. She said, she you did. know what? That They're perfectly innocent. I did all of it. Yeah. So kiss my ass, Nazis. Yeah, it was, it was me. Yeah. And uh, and that she said Hans and Christopher should go free because I did it all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they didn't believe her. So they had a people's court um, in February of 1943 in a trial that lasted. It was, it was about, a it was a show trial. Basically. Yeah, it was a trial that lasted four hours. Hans, Sophie, and Christopher Probst they were all convicted of high treason, sentenced to death. The presiding judge, Roland Freisler. Uh, this guy, he's a piece of work. I, we were have to do a podcast on him when he he he. Yeah, yeah, he he was a uh, one of the lead lead leading judges in Nazi Germany. He's a real piece of shit. Well, he could not understand what would corrupt such fine German youths. They all come from good families, attended German schools, and been a member of the Hitler Youth. Now, Sophie shocked everyone in the courtroom when she said, "Y'all can kiss my ass." Now, I don't think she said that. She said, "Y'all can kiss my ass." No, no. no and no. then she said. <laughs> Someday, after all, I'm sorry, Timmy, she said, y'all can kiss my ass. No, she did not say that. Give the quote, and right quote. And then she said, after that, somebody, after all, had to make a start. What we wrote and said is also believed by many others. They just don't dare express themselves as we did. You know the war is lost. Why don't you have the balls to face it? She didn't say the balls to face it, I but mean, she but said courage. But, cur- okay, but that was on that was a sentiment. There. Yes, yeah. yes. So she says it's in open court, uh, and um, and she also said, I don't think I have the quote in there, but I think something to the effect, "Where we stand today, you will stand tomorrow." Meaning, like you know, this war is going to be over soon, and they're going to come for you. So. And what did John Wilkes Booth say? Six of tyrannous? Yeah, something like that. Death, Scott death would correct me to, on that. Yeah. Death be death to the tyrants. Yeah. Um, she, but that's what she was saying. Now, her parents weren't even allowed into the trial, Timmy. And uh, once it, once she got ex- escorted back to the prisons, the guards permitted the shoals to reunite for the last time because the guards were so impressed with these two kids' bravery. Yeah, and, they... Uh, they, they the judge was a bit of an ass, but the the guards were really impressed, and they let the they let them reunite, and spent they let them, they let Sophie and Hans spend time alone with their parents, and then they let Sophie Hans and uh, Pro spend time together before they had, I think they had it gave them a cigarette too, yeah, and spent some time together before what happens next, and yeah. and, and they were sentenced to death. They were sentenced to death, and they were. Oddly, once they were, they let, as you said, they let Hans, Christopher, and Sophie spend some time, have one last meeting together, mm-hmm. and then they led them to the gallows. Now, the interesting thing here is Sophie 
was under the impression, because at, at the law at the time, if you were sentenced to death, you had 99 days before mm-hmm. the execution. Yeah. And this, this was immediate. This they did immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once once they finished, Sophie was the first led to the guillotine, Timmy. They didn't do firing squads. They were doing guillotines on this. And a witness described Sophie as unflinching as she walked to her death. The executioner also remarked that he had never seen someone meet the end of life as courageously as she did. Sophie Shaw was executed by guillotine on February 22, 1943. She was 21 years old. Her last words were, Die, son, shink, knock. Which means? Um... I, my only regret no. is that no, I have no, no, but no. one ass for no, you no, all no, to kiss. No, That's what she no. said. No, she, her last words were, the sun still shines. The stun, sun still shines, yes. And then she said, no, my she didn't only say regret that. is then that her I head have came off. one ass No, then her head came kiss. off. So the next to be executed was Christopher, who shouted, we shall meet each other in a few minutes, right before his death. Um, he was married and had three small children, as we have said. The last was Hans. His last words were simply, long live the freedom. Yep. Hans was 24 years old when he was killed. The Nazis were so eager to eliminate the danger from the regime that the news of the incident wasn't even released until after these executions took place. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, it was they—they they they caught him, the they guillotine. tried him, and convicted him all in the matter of you know, like forty-eight hours. Yeah, one day they, one day of the trial, the next day they were dead. Yeah. Now this was not the end of the killing. Alex Morel, he tried to escape to Switzerland, but had to retreat due to deep snow. I wonder what the hell he was thinking. Yeah, he he. Oh, look at they this. Had, I'm, he, I'm going up to Swiss Alps. Well, actually, snow. yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> they had they had back you know they had contingency plans. He had fake fake passports and mm-hmm. everything, but they caught him. They, he, 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 he yeah, he was actually arrested by uh, during an air raid after being betrayed by a former girlfriend who was a member of the Nazi party. Yeah, and see, he, never uh, date Nazis. I'm telling you. And you know the problem to me is, I mean, they're blonde, they're hot, but you know, stay away from them. But you never know who. You never know. Yeah. You never know yeah. if you if the girl you lay if they're with, blonde and blue eyed, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. Those who sleep with Nazis yeah. wake up without heads. Yes, Jimmy. yes. There's yes. old saying. Beware of Nazis. So he gets arrested. Um, I can't believe you called Donald Trump a Nazi. You know we're going to lose like a quarter of all. No, I didn't call him a Nazi, did I? No, no, you didn't. You said he, he you, I think you made some sort of comparison, but. No, I, no, it's, if you read Facebook and stuff like that, yeah, you know, everybody's making these comparisons right, right, right. to him wanting to be Hitler and we're going into this. And, I, and I think man. that we have, you know, it, it, it's a little, uh, some hyperbole there because I like to think that our country has stronger checks and balances. Yeah. You know, and, I got you. And and the thing that we have, and that's what I mean, is I think that you know people are exaggerating this yes. fear. Not that I think he. Right, 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 right. And right. and you know when you look at the guy and you listen to him, the guy doesn't have any desire to be Hitler. Right. He, he he doesn't because that would actually be work. I mean, <laughs> he's I take not, effort. He's not even doing the security <laughs> briefings to me. He's like, ah, oh, fucking let ah, pins, so well, That's what I got pins here for. Yeah. No, that's what I meant. Is that I got you. Hitler did delegate well. But but he is a very um, I you know he he sees the president's 
the presidential position as one of great, great power. And mm-hmm. he, I think he's going to be checked very quickly by the Senate. Mm-hmm. He's made a lot of enemies, but sure, I'm getting off topic there. But no, I did not mean to <laughs> compare. Okay. That's what I was actually trying to do is say the comparisons are, to me, very off base. Okay, gotcha. Um, so far. <laughs> because we couldn't have that. Because think about what Hitler did. He had seven years from 32 to 39, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, he had seven years of really unfettered power. Right. Any president that we have only has eight years of limited power. Yeah. Now, that's not to say he might not nuke Canada. Well, and that's not to say Canada might not have it coming. Well, yeah. But, you know, but as far as that kind of... But, but, but Hitler is, consolidated power. That's how he, he wouldn't have unlimited power. He consolidated yeah. it. Yeah, but that was that was yeah that was really that happened in one move because mm-hmm. of the way their government system right. was set up, um, and ours is set up differently. So I think that we. Uh, You're optimist. I am an optimist because I think that government is. Uh, I think most people in government are incompetent, <laughs> including and, us. So <laughs> so the, so you were you were not insulting our uh, Republican friends. Oh, no, not at all. That's what I was saying is that mm-hmm. I think people on our, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, my politics right. are leaning right. left. I think people are, are overreacting somewhat, okay. you know, by saying, because we're in a completely different system where, right. you know, we have checks and balances. And the military, the, and here's the big difference, Timmy, mm-hmm. is where Hitler got his power is he got the military and everybody else to swear loyalty oaths mm-hmm. to the minute you said to our military, you are going to swear an oath to loyalty to me mm-hmm. and not the Constitution, mm-hmm. they would take you out of office. Yeah. You know, so that's that's what I mean. You okay. Would, it would never happen. Gotcha. So, so let's get back to Alex Morell. Yes. He, he, he finds this hot blonde. He, you know, meets on Tinder or whatever. And Miranda. it turns out, huh? I'm... I'm I said her name was Greta, but I'm making it. Greta, yeah. yeah. And she, of course, turns him in like most, you know. You, most Being a women, good Nazi. Yeah. Any, if it, if they're too hot to be true, yeah, they're too hot is. to be yeah. true. Yeah. And she, yeah. So, um, now, then they catch up with Huber. Mm-hmm. And both are tried and convicted. And this is in April. Now, they got to wait all the way till July. And Huber next. is a professor that was involved in the, yeah. Uh, uh, in, involved with the White Rose Society. He helped write the sixth leaflet. Yeah, and William Graff, who we mentioned mm-hmm. before, they caught him. He was executed on October 12, 1943. Now, hundreds of other people connected with White Rose were arrested and sentenced to various punishments. George Wittenstein, he was the only one to survive the war. Um, he was tried after attempting to help a Jewish woman escape from Germany, but was found not guilty and set free. The final white rose leaflet was eventually smuggled out of Germany and intercepted. This is funny. It was intercepted by the Allied forces. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they just printed up shitloads and millions of these things. The Allies. The Allies did. And dropped them over Germany. Leaflets. Leaflets. So the message did get out. Yeah, it got wide, out. in Wide uh, scale. So um, since the end of the war, the members of the White Rose have become celebrated figures as German society has searched for positive role models from that period. Yeah, they went something 
to be proud of. And yeah. so they look to these young kids as, uh, as role models. So the square where the Central Hall of Munich University is located has been named Geichwister Schollplatz after Hans and Sophie Scholl. The square opposite is now named Professor Huberplatz. Yeah, who is two also lo- involved with the, as we mentioned, with the mm-hmm. movement, movement. Now, two large fountains in front of the university are named after uh, Professor Huber. Now, many school streets and other places in Germany are named in memory of the White Rose. Now, there's a book, a very good book, Sophie Scholl and the White Rose, that was published in English in February 2006. Um, and there's also a film, Sophie Scholl, The Final Days, and it received an Academy Award nomination, Timmy. Um, yeah, it's critically acclaimed. I watched it. It's available on YouTube, and I knew that we were going to do this day. I watched it last night and just to see if I missed anything. It's subtitled, right? It's subtitled. It's in English subtitles. And, I, it, it, you know, I was just checking to see if we missed anything. Mm-hmm. We, it, and then we didn't. And we, we covered most of it. But it's a very good movie. If you, if you, it's free on YouTube. So Now, here's, here's an interesting one. Alex Shmurel, Alexander Shmurel? Mm-hmm. He was made a saint by the Russian Orthodox Church. Yeah, he, he was canonized yeah. for his efforts. Um, now, today, the White Rose Society has no, numerous chapters in the United States and around the world. Like their original members, they work to speak out against oppression and injustice. Their mission is to work for a more peaceful and just world. Mm-hmm. And I actually looked up some White Rose. There's... Uh, chapters in, in every big city mm-hmm. in the United States and they they say something interesting that we you know we're not violent mm-hmm. but we take whatever action is necessary if you were to see a man beating an innocent woman right you sometimes that requires violence right. to right. rectify so, right right so they're not a person who's going to run up and say you know yeah hey stop that stop that stop that. right they're going to hit you over the head with yeah a club <laughs> yeah so. So, all right. All right, Colonel, your final say, uh, thoughts on Sophie Scholl and the White Rose well, Society. Well, I think, you know, I think in these times, and this, this is a problem I've always had, and I think that, you know, it, it, at the risk of offending anybody, mm-hmm. they were they were the true patriots there, and, mm-hmm. and I think that when we... There's a funny thing, and I may have said this before, that's happened to us since Mm 9-11. Everybody with a uniform suddenly is a hero. Mm -hmm. Without question. Mm -hmm. Without question. Be it a policeman, Mm -hmm. be it a fireman, be it someone in the military. And granted, um, these are good people, the greater part of them. But what happens is when the government keeps beating that into your head, Timmy, Mm -hmm. they can do what they want without question. Right. It's and always it, good to question authority. Right. And we, I believe even in this country, we've gotten to the point where if you question what the military is doing, it comes not supporting as, our troops. You're unpatriotic. And that's right. what they charged, uh, you know, Sophie and the other members of the right what rose with not, not only high treason, but uh, aiding and abetting the enemy right. and demoralizing their own troops. So. And like I said, if you're someone, you know, if, you, if you're someone, you've got a son serving on the Eastern Front, you probably don't want to hear, you know, right. this war is bad and we're evil and, you know, we're going to lose the war. You know, you probably don't want to hear that. So, But yeah. I can tell you this, I walked into um, 
one uh, a thing that left a, an impression on me I'll never forget to me I had to do, we had to we were having a party here at work and I had to go up to the grocery store to get um, a couple cases of soda and there was a bank inside the grocery store and as I'm getting out of my car a marine honor guard mm-hmm. marine well I, I don't know if they're honor guard marine and f- three marines in full dress blues mm-hmm. were getting out of a car walking ahead of me into the grocery store and uh, this was at the beginning of the Iraq war and as they walked in I was walking in behind them and they turned left and I had to turn left to get to the soda and when the woman working at the bank saw them Timmy she let out a scream that I will never forget and the reason that the Marine Color Guard was there was to inform her that her son had been killed in Iraq um and they had been, and they had a man with them, and apparently the man was the father, Ugh. and he could not call the woman at work to tell her, you know. Mm-hmm. So he showed up with these these Marines, and and you know this woman, you just think, I wonder what her opinion of that war is. Yeah, you know yeah. today, but it's it's something that you it's something that can become very, and, and especially in America, we have an all. How, how many people do you know in the military? It's a very mm-hmm. abstract thing when mm-hmm. people are getting killed, when right. people are getting... So when wars are going on, we don't really tend to speak up much because they don't influence us. And, and I believe, impact us as much. And I believe so. this. I, I believe this. It's one of my core beliefs that we should reinstate the draft and have no deferments. Mm-hmm. And if we reinstated the draft and had no deferments, you would hear people speaking out and saying, you are not sending my son over to some godforsaken country mm-hmm. to protect oil fields mm-hmm. for whatever. Right. That's right. just not going to happen. But since we have an all-volunteer army mm-hmm. um, and it's not impacting us, you know, we kind of give the government a little too much leeway. To yeah, and, you too. know, the, and I'm sure the wife, the, you know, Sophie Scholl would have said, that, you know, she had a family, we didn't mention, she had a fiancé who was on the Eastern Front. Yeah. I mean, she wanted, you know, it wasn't she wasn't supporting the troops. Yeah. She wanted to bring the troops. She wanted to bring, and home. sometimes bringing the, supporting the troops, the best way to support them is bring them home and take care of them when they get here. Exactly. All right, Colonel, you have some shout-outs for us? I do have shout-outs t- today, awesome. Timmy. We got some new listeners, Timmy. Good, we love well, new not listeners. new listeners, new to our page. All right, um, but first, I got to give our first shout out to Tasha, Tasha out there in Cali. Mm-hmm. Lovely Tasha, I haven't seen her on the page, so stop in and say hello to us, Tasha. Yes, we miss you. Um, so we got some new listeners, Tracy Lynn Busby, and this one, Floyd D. Lisa. Yeah, um, I might be a little confused with that. Yeah, now Jennifer Winnings Miller. Uh, Vasilios. Um, Did you say Tracy? I'm sorry, I was. Uh, Tracy Lynn Busby. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah. Tracy, I was uh, dealing with the sound here. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I got Vasilios. I'm not even going to try his last name. Allegianus, <laughs> I believe. Okay. Marion Buckwold and Arif Riff. Okay. Um, we got Jeff Girdley, Angie Ball, Sam Hildebrand. Hey, Sam. Um, of course, we got Jennifer and Linda. Hey, Jennifer. Mentioned um, them earlier. Mentioned your name. In, yep. Uh, Missy 
Horton. Amy C. We got the lovely Brit and Chris, and I hope they're doing well. Down there in Hotlanta. Yes, Celine. Celine, how are you doing? Jeff Chestnut. How are you doing, Jeff? Teresa Slavin. Jeff's down in Dominica. Um, Teresa, uh, I just had a birthday. Happy birthday, happy, Teresa. Yeah, happy birthday. Yesterday was her birthday. We you got, know, most uh, serial killers are born in November. They are. It's, yeah. It's, we have a lot of them in listen to the show. I don't trust show. Teresa anyway. Yeah, she's, I I, well, Teresa. you got to, you don't let, don't let her have and any. And Allie, you know Allie was born in. You can't let Teresa have any sharp objects around No, you. no, no, you can't. Um, Colton, of course. Um, Phyllis Munson. Tommy Boom Boom. Tommy Boomer Shine. What's going on, Tommy? Uh, the Trow Bridges. Yes. Um, Clark and Diane. Um, we got Shonda and Larry. Shonda and Larry. They're they're two of my favorite people. And you know what I bet Shonda's doing right now? I mean, if I, and I know she's probably not, but if I had to guess, Shonda's somewhere raising supplies for the people of Gatlinburg. Or she's down there fighting a damn fire herself. I don't know. I know. You know, I was thinking about, you know what? I thought about Shonda and Larry, and I thought about... Uh, Shannon, when I was doing this uh, research on this topic, because mm-hmm. you know they would, you know they would be members of the White Rose. They would society. be the right yeah. White Rose people. Yes. Yeah. Um, J- of course, me. Of somebody- course, I'm too lazy. I could not <laughs> I write any flyers. Well, you could no. You do a hell of a job writing up the flyers, but you you'd be telling. I couldn't me, pronounce them. Can you pr- print this stuff for me? <laughs> yeah, and put it in a box and get it out of here. Yeah. I don't want to yes. mess with it. Exactly. Um, we got Jeff Chestnut, of course, who's yeah, down in doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Yes. Celine, um, Britt and Chris, uh, Aaron Wentz, Donna and the Dog, Donna Curran. Hey, Donna. Brian and Lisa Lawton. Brian and Lisa. Um, Kate McCarthy. Hey, Kate, who's, said, who's such a lovely lady. She is lovely. Um, speaking of lovely and somebody who's going through a, a kind of a little bit of trying time right now. Mm. is the lovely young Fallon. Yeah, Fallon, I hope things get better for you soon. We're thinking about you. Um, and we got Monica D'Agostino. Mm-hmm. Monica, got that my, one right. my Fitbit friend. Um, Sandy September, I can never get her name right. Bridget Clavy. Hey, Bridget. Um, of course, the lovely Katja. Katja over there in Denmark. Yeah. Uh, Byron Snellings, we already mentioned, I believe. The Reverend but, Byron. The Reverend Byron, yep. Denny McFarlane, William Truax. Oh, wait a minute. Now, Denny, we found out, is from Cincinnati. Yes, yes. So, Denny, we'll have to... We'll have to get you back. We're going to have to get Denny on a podcast next yeah, time. Yeah, we'll have to get him in there or kind of have lunch or something. Um, William Truax. Yes. Um, is it Truax or Trowell? Truax. Oh, you you got okay, the right Yeah, he corrected me on that one. Okay, sorry, William. Um, let's see, who we got now? Um, Gina Spillane. Mm-hmm. Um, Amber Krupp, one of the Colonel's ladies. Mm-hmm. Angie Cobes, did I get her already? I don't think so. Okay. Gina Spillane, Trixie, Stephanie Quick. Stephanie, Sydney, born on May 9th. Yep. Oh, Sydney and Tarantino, Michael. Who put something up on the page? I got to get a photo to you because Jamie's going to try to make me a drawing of something. Oh, cool. Um, we have artists available. Oh, he's amazing. Huh? Or Jamie. He, Jamie's amazing. Yes. Laura O'Reilly, Gabby Lewis, 
Sunstar, Tara V. Of course, Tara. Bond. Gene Bond. Lydia, Brandy McBride, Maggie Glover, and Jeff Appel. Christine Bourgeois. Bourgeois. Mary Ray. Hey, Mary. Katie. Morehead. <laughs> what do I want for Christmas? Morehead. All right. Rebecca Montanle. 12-year-old. <laughs> Mike Eisenhower. Daniel Fredrickson. Andy Sparaccio. Valerio Bishop. Nancy Palomino. Nancy. How you doing, Nancy? Kim Kamikaze. Jennifer Hopkins. Or, I'm sorry, Jennifer Hawkins. It's Jeff Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Tara Nee. Lindsay McMillan. Sunyana. Eddie Rushing. Yo Handler. Sammy James. Yo Handler. Your mama. <laughs> My buddy Jason Dykes. Amy Carol Payne. Tyra Jenkins. Uh, Manette Petrie. Steph Glenn. Niloy Khan. Christine Montana. Marie Barber, Jennifer Potts, of course, Cindy Overstreet Hamilton. Yes, he's very active on a page. Hi, Cindy. Um, Mike Arnold, Melissa Lebrano, Brittany Powell, Heather Hall, Heather Poole. Um, and then let's get to the Colonel Squad. Tonight. All right. We got Angie Ball. Hey, Angie. Nicola. Nicola Reed. An attorney uh, at law. Lovely little Sarah. Yes. Sarah Spaghetti, Sarah Mimosa, uh -huh. whatever you want to call her. Jennifer Burdick. Yeah, who um, just had a recently had a birthday, another yeah. uh, November baby. I, was she? I was this a big birthday, like twenty one or something? Uh, or was she older than I think she might be twenty two. I'm just kidding. Okay. I don't know. How she she's is. very, very, she's very beautiful. She's a beautiful she's young. She's just lady. a funny, yeah. sweet. It's a girl that you just say, you know what? I'll take her for a daughter. Yes, give me her for a daughter. I want her. Um, Karen Barnes, of course. Um, Janet Fitzgerald and Francis Doughton. Mm -hmm. um, my friend up in Chicago, Jessica Williams. Mm -hmm. Amanda Bocciball. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Tiffany. We can't forget Tiffany. No, of course, Tiffany. Tiffany the... Tiffany Bell. Tiffany Bell. Good good Catholic girl up yes. in Jackson, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And last but definitely not least, because if you make a leash, she will come to your house and chop you into little bitty pieces, Timmy. Allie. Allie. And Charlie, of course. Charlie and Allie. Now, you know, Allie and Charlie are kind of inseparable. Charlie's well, crazy in one way, yeah. and Allie's crazy in but the other. But they're on, like, opposite sides of the world. Allie and Charlie, of course, are in the, have the Insight Podcast. They've just surpassed 500,000 downloads. That's, That's amazing. amazing yeah. In a short period That's of time, amazing. that podcast. And, of course, I left that podcast to stay with you and Brandy. Yeah, that was, so, you, you are, like, Kind of peep best at the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> I really am. I think you might have made a poor choice there. Yeah. But, uh, now you're stuck with me now. Okay. And uh, of course, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Lady Beverly. Yes, Lady Beverly, who lost her father mm -hmm. um, suddenly. Yes. And the service and everything was yesterday. Lady Beverly, you know, we're thinking about you, and we always do. Mm -hmm. um, but we hope that we can. And you know, I and. And to Brandy. Brandy Absolutely. is going through an extremely difficult time. She has posted on, so I don't feel bad saying this. She's mm -hmm. posted this. Brandy is very, very close to her grandmother. Sweet and D. Sweet D. And she, um, her grandmother is not doing well. She's basically in hospice. Um, they're, they're really, this could happen at any given moment. So Brandy is 
The reason Brandy is not here is because she is sitting next to her grandmother. Yes, where and, she should be. Yeah, where she should be. So we we really, my wife said, go in and give Brandy a hug. And I said, Brandy will punch me in the throat if I yes. do that. But We've but been we, very, we've been kind to Brandy this week. Yeah, we have, we have been nice to Brandy. And we, we can are, bash her on the podcast because she doesn't listen. She doesn't listen, yeah. so we can say whatever we want. But we are definitely thinking about you, Brandy, and... We know that the people who listen are too, and of course, uh, Lady Beverly. Or not yeah. Lady Beverly, but but her royalness, Dottie Scott. My mom is getting active on the page. It's kind of scary. I, and it's so funny because I still tell you, Renee doesn't pay much attention to Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, she doesn't even look at her own account much. Right. But Renee will point out to me every time your mom comments on something that I post. <laughs> I can have, and you know, I get a lot of comments right, on right, things. Right. She'll say, "Tim's mom commented on your post." <laughs> but, like it's well, she found like, like the emojis now. Yeah. So now she's like all over the dogs and. Well, the it's almost like puppies. Bruce Springsteen's commenting on my. Renee's <laughs> like, you know, Dottie, Tim's mom posted or commented oh on God. your post. Or sure, your mom because your mom always has very kind things to say. Yes. And yes. She, Renee's non-controversial. Like, oh, my yeah, mom. she is such a sweet woman and. But Renee will point out to me, Tim's mom commented, and I was like, <laughs> 140 people commented. Yeah, and then know. people will, I, I feel bad because people will, like, try to engage in her, but she doesn't understand tagging. Yeah. So she yeah, does, if she someone says something yeah. to her, she doesn't necessarily see that. Right. So if you're, you know, let but me she's know. She's a if lovely you, woman. She's a yes. very sweet woman. Uh, so. You can find us on Facebook. We have two pages, History Dweebs, which is basically just our uh, regular history pod, uh, our history topics. And you can find us on History Dweeds, the podcast. That's where our, uh, our listeners hang out and we interact with them. So please join us on History Dweeds, the podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at History Dweeds 1. And uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please take a minute, subscribe, and leave us a review. It's how other people find us. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Colonel, any final thoughts? No, I thought this was a great story, Timmy. I, Thank I you. We try to do, you know, we'll be back to serial killers. Don't worry. Uh, we haven't given them up. Uh, we're just uh, mixing things up a little bit, but we'll be back to, we like to save them for Brandy. Uh, but thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you again next time on History Dweebs. Good, Goodbye, everyone. Good day, listeners. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.